All right, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 122 to 2-3. It can be found on page 1014 in the Pew Bible. 1014 in the Pew Bible. 1 Peter 1, 22 through 2-3. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, as we hear your word, as we open up your word, would you speak to us through it? Would you give us a greater longing for your word so that by it we might grow up into salvation? And might it cause us to love one another earnestly? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Perhaps best known for caring for over 10,000 orphans in his life and perhaps better known for his dependence upon God in prayer, George Mueller said this in his autobiography. I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man may be nourished, I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the Word of God and to meditation on it. The priority of the Word. Mueller knew how the inner man was nourished, and before any act of service, he gave himself to God's Word so that he could obtain food for his own soul. I I share this illustration and this quote because if we are going to be effective in faith as faithful servants of the Lord who hold fast to Christ as we live as exiles in this hostile world and carry out the commands of Christ towards one another, then we must place God's word as a priority in our life. It's so easy. I don't know if you maybe were convicted. I don't want to say that to f- so you feel guilt, but it's so easy to let things and, and even good things distract us from it. I might even say the first priority, the first thing that I attend to on, in the morning is to look at my cell phone to find out who won the game or to get on Facebook to see if anyone commented or liked my posts. 
And so we can have, we, we recognize this, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this as we, as we go. And so I don't say that to, so that we feel guilt because we're not maybe where George Mueller is at, but so that we recognize the importance and the priority that the Word should have on our own lives. And it's this priority of the Word of God that, that Peter highlights in our passage this morning. It is through the Word of God that new life and new birth is initiated It's through the word of God that new life is sustained and grows and matures. And this is the main point that we see in our text. And you can see this in your outline. We have been born again through the word of God. Therefore, here's what we're called to do. Love one another earnestly. Put away all forms of evil. And long for the word of God. So first, since we have been born again through the word of God, Love one another earnestly. So look with me now at verses 22 through 25. Let's look at this again. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Verse 24, For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. In this section, the the exhortation is clear and easy to spot. We are to love one another earnestly. Peter continues from his initial commands and thoughts that we had looked at from the previous couple weeks. In light of what God had done for the church, in which God was worthy of praise because of the salvation that these believers had received, because they had been born again to a living hope for this end time salvation, and that they stand in in a privileged time in history. The promises of God are coming to pass, have come to pass in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We saw that in chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. And then... Then they were called to conduct themselves a certain way as elect exiles in verses 13 through 21. They were called to hope, to holiness, and to fear. And now he continues. They are called to love. Peter moves from this, this individual emphasis on their personal relationship with God to now a community emphasis that should impact their relationships within, within the church. Conducting yourself before God with hope, with holiness, and with fear is not isolated from how we relate to one another in the body of Christ. And so we especially see this, this community aspect in, in the sections that will follow. And so first, we are called to love one another. A love for one another should infiltrate the, the life of the church as it, as it marks out the believers as God's people. Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if what? If you have love for one another. This command to love, you can see it here in our text, it's sandwiched between two reasons which show us why we are to love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So notice verse, the first part of verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth 
for a sincere brotherly love. And then there's this command, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And then verse 23, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So what does this mean? Since you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, this phrase is Peter's way of saying, you have been converted. You've been converted through faith, through your faith in the gospel. It's a, it's a reference to conversion. You were purified. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. That's, that's the idea. This, this conversion has an ongoing effect, an ongoing impact in your life. So, when you believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you believed in the good news about Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection for you, you are purified. You were purified. You are cleansed. You are converted. And, and, and by this phrase, by using this phrase, obedience to the truth, we recognize, we recognize something interesting here. That belief or trust in, or faith, is not merely intellectual assent in which the person knows the, the facts about what Jesus did on the cross in their head. That's not what makes a person a believer. That's not what it looks like to be converted. But, but to use this term, obedience to the truth, implies that there is a commitment. There's a commitment of the heart in which we entrust ourselves to Jesus Christ and not just knowledge of the facts. You see? Peter says here that we were converted for a specific purpose. Verse 22 Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, here's why, for a sincere brotherly love. In other words, the, the goal or purpose of being purified and cleansed from your sin, or at least one of them, is a sincere brotherly love. It's so that you might display a love for other believers. God saved us. We are converted so that we would display love toward other believers. The emphasis here is on the Christian community, which I intend to talk about more after I get back from vacation in two weeks uh, on, in chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. But I, I don't want us to miss this emphasis here. We are to display love for one another within the covenant community, within the local church. You've heard me say this so many times. Maybe this is a, a Seanism, if you will. The Christian life is not intended to be lived in isolation from other people. It is not intended to be lived alone in isolation from other believers, specifically. As though we get to be really godly and really spiritual if, if I could just live apart from the Christian community. Wow, I'll really grow in Christ if I just live by myself and, 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 and I'm not surrounded by other believers. Wrong. But rather, within the covenant community, 
which in application is one of the reasons, is one reason I encourage church membership, in which we formally commit to a local church body where we can live out our faith in community with other believers, with one another, and fulfill, and thus fulfill the commands of Christ, and namely, this command to love one another. So if you're interested in church membership, please talk to me about it. I know there are some that are new here. We've got some going through the process now, and I just would quickly say, if you have questions about that, just please talk to me. All right, love to, love to walk through that with you as well as we as we commit ourselves, formally commit to the local church. That's for another sermon as well. So, since we've been purified, since we have purified our souls by obeying the truth, for the purpose of this sincere brotherly love, what ought we to do? We ought to love one another from a pure heart. And then the second reason is this, verse 23. Love one another, verse 23, since, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. The imagery here is that of a father begetting the child. Peter is emphasizing God's work in bringing salvation and bringing about this new birth that he had talked about even back in chapter 1, verse 3. God was worthy of praise because according to his great mercy, he had caused them to be born again to a living hope. This new birth that we have received came about through, through the living and abiding word of God. It was through the word of God that new life came where there was no life. It was through the word of God that we are born again. We are new creations in Christ because the gospel was proclaimed to us and we received it. So this word, the word of God initiates new life and it sustains our new life. It is a living and abiding word of God. That's what Peter illustrates by quoting Isaiah 40. Let me give you the, the context of Isaiah 40. I had, I had Todd read it for us during the service just so we could hear it again. Let me give you the context. The Israelites were living as exiles in Babylon. So God's people are, people are exiles in Babylon. Babylon was this great world power of that day, and God's people were living under Gentile rule, away from their homeland, and certainly discouraged by the trials that they were experiencing and facing from this great opposition. Likely they were doubting whether God's promises would truly come to pass. And so Isaiah 40 is a proclamation of comfort and hope and promise in God's deliverance. Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 2. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And then he goes on, and then he, he, we have our quote, All flesh is like grass, all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And then Isaiah continues, 
Excuse me. <laughs> Isaiah continues and declares God's power and might. Can I have one of my kids get my water? <coughs> I don't do this ever. <coughs> Thank you. <coughs> ah, much better. <coughs> All right. You're still with me? All right. Isaiah continues and declares God's power and his might. Verse 15, Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. The Lord, and then he continues, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Exiles. God's promises will come to pass. You have hope even though life is difficult for you. Even though the nations rage, God's got it under control. Be comforted. Exile will come to an end. The churches in 1 Peter, who likewise have been scattered and are spiritual exiles, are under the threat of Roman rule facing present trials and difficulty in this hostile world. The society around them seeks to impose its will upon them. Be comforted because, here's why, all flesh is like grass. It will wither away. But God's word, God's word and his promises that he has made will remain. He has promised us, ultimately, deliverance from sin and death. Through, our, through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. This word was the good news that was preached to us and to them. We received it and new life was brought about through it. God's word then initiates and sustains this new life in Christ. Therefore, no matter what you are going through, we are freed to love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And what is love? 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice in, at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. To love one another earnestly from a pure heart, positively, means that we have a sincere, genuine concern for the well-being be, well of one another of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And might this mark us out at Pleasant Ridge that we are a church who loves one another earnestly from a pure heart. And I am convinced that it does. As I watch you interact with one another, as you show your love for each other and look out for the needs of one another. Second, my second point is this. Put away all forms of evil. So look with me now at chapter 2, verse 1. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Having called us to love one another in the previous section, Peter now reminds the church of certain sins that destroy love in the community, in the, in the church. So we get a picture of what love is not. Here's what love is not. These forms of evil are the opposite of love. 
We need to make sure that we put these away. When I was a child, I'm not sure if you knew this about me, but my family, my, my grandparents and my dad, they owned a sanitation business. So I was a sanitation engineer. That's why that's my physics professor, my physics teacher told, told me to say, I'm a sanitation engineer. All right, I haul garbage. So we did this in Hudson. This was our family business. We did this in Hudson. And so I began hauling garbage as a high schooler. And you can imagine it's a dirty, dirty job, right? The stench permeated my clothes. And even more so, we had a stock truck, okay? So we had a stock truck. We had to get all the garbage in. So not just, not that just easy to pick it up now and they just, you know, you have to touch it. A stock truck where you actually throw the garbage in and then to get it all in, you got to actually get up in the truck and stomp it, smash it down. We need more room. So, all right, I'm up there smashing down the garbage to make more room, pushing it to the front, smashing it down, making more room. So I had maggots on me. I had dirty diapers all around me. Just, you get the picture. You get the picture. And so when I finished the job for that day, I think my mom probably exhorted me in her nice, kind way to walk in the house to, to rid myself of my dirty clothes. Right? Take off those dirty clothes and then go get clean. In a similar way, we are to rid ourselves, we are to put away the, the dirty laundry of these different forms of evil in the covenant community. But here's the difference. Because, because we have been cleansed. The idea is to, to take out the trash and leave it there. Don't let it remain in your life or in the church. Put away your dirty clothes and put on new clothes. Rid yourselves of all evil that destroys relationships and put on love. That's the picture. That's the picture. Notice, notice the list. So put away all malice. Malice is the desire to hurt or see someone hurt. This means that, that you want to see someone injured or harmed or fail in what they do. All deceit and hypocrisy. These words would, would refer to the idea of distorting the truth. You hide and you cover up what you really are. Right? You put on a mask, perhaps to make yourself look better. Envy. You desire something that someone else has, and you become bitter toward that person because of it. All slander. Now our desires have turned to our actions, to harmful words in which we put people down when they're not present. We backbite, we, we gossip. Why? Oftentimes to, to make ourselves look better. We put someone down to make ourselves look better or even to feel better about ourselves. And these forms of evil must not characterize us because we have been cleansed. Because Jesus died on the cross for us. God's word has changed us. So let's put away evil from our midst and display a love for one another. 
in application. Ask yourself this. Is there any specific desire or evil that I am holding on to that's affecting my relationship with other believers in this church? Maybe it's something someone said or something that someone failed to say. Am I holding that against them? Third and finally, long for the word of God. Long for the word of God. Look with me now at verses two and three. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So after mentioning the various forms of evil in verse one, which destroy the community which we must put away, Peter calls the church to long for, to crave the pure spiritual milk, which is a reference to the word of God. And sometimes we hear this word milk. In scripture, we might think of it in a negative way, in a negative light. For example, Paul says to the church in Corinth, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready. Or Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice, to distinguish good from evil. Milk, milk was a reference to the basic instruction in, in the word of God for those who were infants in Christ. But Peter's, he, he's not using milk in this way. He, he's not referring to them being babies in the Lord. Instead, he, he's using it to, to make an illustration, isn't he? He, he? He's describing how they are to long for the word. Since they are born again through the word, they're to crave, like the newborn infants, the milk, the word, that by it they might grow up, resulting in salvation. Just as infants crave milk, this, and this is the way that they grow, so Christians, so we are to crave God's word so that we might grow. We all probably recognize how a baby craves milk. Perhaps you can recall many sleepless nights. Perhaps some are even going through many sleepless nights even still because of the desire of their child for milk. If you don't give them their milk, you'll know. They'll let you know. Or if you cut them off too early, they'll let you know of their craving and desire for milk. An infant doesn't have to be taught to long for or crave milk. It's part of their very nature. I need food to sustain me. I need food to grow. So also those who have been born again 
we should have this sort of longing, this sort of desire for God's word, which is what enables us to grow. It's God's word sustaining us and enabling us to grow up, and it results in salvation. So practically, how do we grow? We are to have a steady diet of God's word in our life. Perhaps diet isn't even the right word. Steady lifestyle of the word of God in our life, because diet even has negative connotations. We are to crave it like a newborn child. And, and having this, this steady diet, if you will, involves reading it, involves listening to it on our own, and involves hearing the word being preached in church each week, right? The, the word was proclaimed to them. They would hear this word. How many of us say, and this is my hope, how many of us say, I can't wait to go to church because I get fed the word of God each week? I hope so. I hope so. And we, we hear the word in Sunday school. We hear the, the word and we devote time in the word on Wednesday nights as we walk through, maybe crawl through the storyline of the Bible over the last past three years. As a church, we place the word of God as a priority in what we do, in our songs, in our scripture readings, where we sit and listen to God's word. We hear the good news of in our prayers, we hear the good news of Jesus in our prayers by the pastors. So we make the word of God a priority because it sustains us and enables us to grow. So let's personally, okay, so here's my call for us. Let's personally make it a priority in our lives to read it, to study it, to memorize it, to meditate, it, meditate upon it, and to obey it, and to obey it. We need a steady diet of God's word throughout our week because this is what enables us to grow. Not, not like a, a fad where, where you start up your New Year's resolution, right? Oh, I mean, eat right. I mean, eat right, and then, and then it doesn't last. Oftentimes, we do this spiritually when we try to read through the Bible, right? Have you ever noticed this? I've noticed this in my own life. We make it to Leviticus. And then we give up. Because our cravings and our longings decrease. Man, Leviticus. I don't get it. Or what if... So what if we don't have this longing? Let's say that you're in this place right now and you just don't have that longing for God's word. What if it, or what if it diminishes? Things are going well for you right now and then all of a sudden, oh, I've noticed it's diminishing in my life. What, what do you do? Because we all recognize that we have seasons in our life where, where that longing just isn't there. I mean, comparing me to have a longing for the word of God the way a baby longs for milk? I've seen the picture of that. Impossible. So what do you, what do, you do? So this, this desire diminishes. Maybe you're going through this right now. Perhaps it's due to what you're reading. 
You're having a hard time getting through some difficult book of the Bible. It doesn't make much sense. I just can't put the puzzle pieces together. I'm just not seeing the big picture. Perhaps we don't have a longing for it because we've never actually experienced it. We've never actually tasted the goodness of God in it. Or we're not even real sure what to read. I don't have a longing because I haven't made a plan. I don't even know what to read. Maybe it's been a long time since you've tasted the goodness of God in the Word. So I would encourage you, there's my encouragement, application. I would encourage you to read the passage. I tell the youth this all the time. Read the passage that the pastor is going to preach in that coming Sunday. Right? He's going to keep preaching. He's going to hopefully keep preaching the Word. If not, we should look elsewhere. He's going to keep preaching the Word. So then, in studying that word on my own, I come prepared and ready to hear it. Matthew Shipman is preaching next week. He, he's preaching on Matthew chapter 6 and the Lord's Prayer. So if you're not sure what to study this week, study the Lord's Prayer this week. That would be a great encouragement to him and to me. I, I didn't draw this out earlier, but I want to make another comment here. And it relates to the, having this diminished desire for the word of God. It's the relationship between verses 1 and 2. I don't know if you caught it. It's fascinating. There, there's this, this put off, put away, and then there's this put on relationship. Having put away all forms of evil. He lists the forms of evil. Having put away these things, long for the pure spiritual milk. In other words, these various forms of evil which destroy love can't exist. They, they can't exist with a longing for the pure milk. That which is impure doesn't mix with that which is pure. And so in the heart that is unwilling to put away malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, this person will find it difficult to long for the word of God. They will find it difficult, if not impossible, to taste the goodness of God in his word. A steady diet on junk food will find it difficult to long for kale or spinach, so to speak. I like kale, spinach, kind of. Maybe I've had too much junk food in my life. Sometimes we don't crave the word like a newborn craves it because we've gotten full on all the substitutes. We've gotten full on the substitutes of the real thing. And sometimes these can be good things even. Right? They, they, I'm not even talking about sins here. We can get full on things that we experience on a daily basis that might be good things in our lives. So what should we do? Should we stop reading our Bible and stop going to church because we don't feel it? I don't feel like it. I don't long for the Word. No. <laughs> Keep reading your Bible. Keep studying it. Keep coming to church to hear God's Word. Acknowledge, okay? Acknowledge and confess our lack of desire for it. That's the first place to start. Ask the Lord if there's something in your life if something is keeping you from longing for the word, keep reading it, 
Keep listening to it. Keep pursuing it and pray and ask God to make it sweet to you so that you can taste the goodness of God in it like George Mueller did. He stayed there until his heart was happy. He stayed there until his soul was nourished. <coughs> Let's continue <coughs> to make the word of God a priority in our life, in our homes, and in our church. And as we do, might God give us a greater longing for it, and might God's word lead us to love others because of it, and might God's word enable us to love the way Jesus loves us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, <coughs> we give you thanks for your word. That by it, we grow up into salvation. We pray and confess our lack of desire for it. We ask that you would give us a desire to know you in your word. Not for the sake of checking off a list, but for the sake of knowing you personally. Encountering the, the living God who speaks to us through your word. So that we might love you, that we might love others, and obey your commands. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.